0: Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your host, Rob and silence i'm going to be running this one solo today um as we know bill is on sabbatical so as we await news of the newest addition to bill's family we wish him and his family a healthy baby healthy mommy healthy family and a happy holidays and of course as we get information on that i will be passing that on to to you guys out there in in listener land uh, Rich, unfortunately, is unavailable this week, and since we have some Wheel of Time Wednesday news, I figured it'd be not right to just go ahead and skip a week, so I thought I would dive into our current chapter, run it solo, see how it goes, no one to bounce ideas off of, so hopefully this isn't a flaming pile of crap. I hope I do well on my own, so bear with me. So this episode, we will be dealing with Chapter 34 the last village, the last stop before Camelin. Boys making their way. They had a lot of stuff happen in the last chapter, and they just want to get to Camelin, because some way, somehow, things will just work out once they get to Camelin. So before we start there, uh, normally we reserve this time to talk over any kind of iTunes or Apple Podcast reviews. We currently don't have any new reviews. As always, we... Request that you rate and review us. What we're doing, okay? What we could do better? Always, always, always open to to uh, critiques and criticisms and anything to make this better. We're definitely down to talk about. As this is being recorded on the first Wednesday in the month of December, two thousand nineteen. We were expecting to get a potential casting, maybe fill in one of the blanks on who's going to be uh, taking some of the roles in the upcoming Amazon Prime Wheel of Time TV show. Lo and behold, Rafe and company grace us with four more castings. I got the information here. I'm going to kind of run through them and give you my thoughts. First off, bear with me with a couple of these names. I'm going to do my best. First off, we have Alexander William as... Master Gleeman himself, Tom Maryland. All of the speculation, all of the concerns, all of the rumors saying, oh no, is Tom getting the Tom Bombadil treatment and being cut from the show? Or will he appear in just one episode as a bit character and never be seen again? That has been put to rest. We now have a face for Master Gleeman Tom Maryland, uh, the... Alexander William, I'm hopefully pronouncing that right, as me in my ever, ever ending intelligence saw his headshot and thought, is that Michael Fassbender? No, 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 it is not. So, no, not Michael Fassbender as I had thought. Alexander William... He's got a lot of TV, he's got a lot of TV experience. He was in the most recent Tomb Raider movie, the one with Alicia Vikander. Uh, he played an unnamed lieutenant. I did not watch this uh, most recent Tomb Raider movie. The fact that he is an unnamed lieutenant makes me think it was a little bit of a bit part, but it was a major motion picture. But he does have lots of television experience with lots of reoccurring roles. Welcome to the pattern, Alexander. You are very, very much welcome. And we can't wait to see how you portray this great character with so much depth and so much range. Starting off as the old man, starting off, then becoming master entertainer, then becoming someone that we see can kind of, kind of kick ass and has a little bit of a good backstory to him. Also, I must give much respect to the hashtag Twitter Time community. They have already taken the headshot from his casting announcement. And uh, photoshopped, if that's still a relevant uh, term to use, photoshopped a white mustache onto the headshot. Good on ya. (laughs) It's pretty freaking funny. Second we have Alvaro Morte as Loghain Ablar, everybody's favorite false dragon. At this point in our journey through these books, uh, those who don't know, Rich has only delved into the beginning of the third book. So he's rereading this book, and the second book will be a second time, but he'll be a brand new reader uh, once we get to the third book. So I can't really go in too much into the history of some of these characters. A couple notes I have with Alvaro. He also has some TV experience, but his his work has mostly been outside the United States, foreign TV shows. He looks great for the part. It's going to be fun for the first-time uh, readers, everybody's a first-time viewer, but People who don't know the whole story, watching the show, and trying to figure out his true intentions. Similar to how Severus Snape was for me as a first-time reader. Ballying, well, he has to be good. He has to be bad. He has to be good. He has to be bad. And not knowing the true intentions, and then watching the movie with my wife, knowing how Severus Snape's character arc ended, and having her going through that same kind of back-and-forth banter uh, watching the movie. So I think it's going to be really good to see... How the general Wheel of Time television community takes to low gain. As as you will find out, I'm pretty much A-OK with all of these castings. Next we have Johan Myers as Master Peddler. Padden Fane. Now this is the guy that I was trying to recall back from the reading video. The Wheel of Time's first reading video that came out a few months ago. Where there was a random picture of a guy with a. Big smile on his face. looked like he's having a good time. And I kind of capitulated, maybe that's Tom. This guy could have been a Tom just from the way that he had this winning smile. Got a very substantial character. He's not Tom, but he's padding Fane. This is Big Shoes to Fill. Of these four, is easily the most seasoned actor. He's made appearances in such major motion pictures as Black Hawk Down, The Medallion, The Bank Job. He's got the most impressive acting resume of the four people. One little note here I did see, um, he did play in one other role. He he was credited as playing a voodoo priest. It tells you that he he can have the acting chops to play Padden Fane, which, once again, at this point in our journey, we just know him as a peddler who went missing and then randomly appeared in, I think it was Berylon, and then acted kind of strange and bolted off. So I, I'm going to leave it at that. But he also has the chops to play some kind of weird roles as shown by being a voodoo priest. And last, we have LOL, Love Our Loyal, Hamid Anamashon. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Very much apologetic if I am not, but Hamid has been cast as our favorite ogier, Loyal. Now, he has the shortest career. He's only been acting maybe about the last three or four years. But in that short span, he has done a a variety of different types of acting. Everywhere from comedy to Shakespeare. He's in Midsummer Night's Dream. So overall, I have been happy with not just these four. Not just the original five, but pretty much everything that, that has come out of the camp in Prague, be it castings, be it screenshots of, of set pieces, be it videos of the first sit-down reading. It's been all, all A-plus in my book. I can't... Every time one of these comes out, it gets me be more jazz. I cannot wait for the um, premiere of this TV show. Uh, every time I see a high-quality television uh, advertisement for an Amazon Prime show, I'm thinking... Wait until that first Wheel of Time ad drops on a TV show or, or, or on the internet. It's going to be just insane. And I can already hear my head exploding now. Uh, and I know that I am not alone. Everybody is so ready for the rest of the world to understand how insanely, epically awesome this story is. You got The Witcher coming out in a couple weeks on Netflix. You got the Lord of the Rings, uh, Middle Earth saga coming out on Amazon. They're talking about now shooting the Game of Thrones prequels. You know that you know, it's, it's all good, but Wheel of Time. I am so ready for the rest of the world just to say, "Oh my God, where has this been?" I'm just geeking out. That will take us into our chapter discussion. We are at. Chapter 34, The Last Village, as I mentioned, are two young Emmonsfielders, Rand Althor and Matt Cothon, make it to the outskirts of, of Carysford, the very last village west of Caitlin. Last we left them, they were dropped off and told it's about a two days hike eastward. They've made their way. They are at the end of the road, almost. They are just about there as they come to the outskirts of the village you know rand is is commenting yeah, things seem normal enough you know this could have been a farm outside of Emmonsfield, this is, could have been you know anywhere in the two rivers but they are so just jaded now dark friends could be lurking around any corner just anywhere they just can't help it like i said before the despair is just creeping into these guys as me as the reader No rest, just no matter where they go. As soon as they hit any kind of city, it's like a honing beacon. There they are. Go get them, boys. Incredible despair. So, as I got here, due to the combination of fatigue and not wanting to be detected, the boys find a haystack and camp in for the night. Nat's not happy about it, but he acquiesces. He realizes that they just just are spent. They don't have enough energy to be chased anymore. That haystack looks good. We'll just crawl up in there, make ourselves a little bed, and sleep off the rest of the night. It was this. This was the chapter that kind of instilled a feeling of insurmountable odds. The boys are running into dark friends at at seemingly every town, village they come to. At Carriesford, they they slept the night. They're around, still on the outskirts of town, and as they're coming to this last town, they both have this kind of, well, what happens now? Attitude. All right, all right, dark friends, we're here. What shenanigans are in store for us today? What are we got to get out of today? As they wake up and as their are carries it, they see many, many, many other people making their pilgrimage to Camlann To see the false dragon. The aforementioned Loghain Ablar, uh, Mr. Alvaro Morte, as it seems. They're hopeful that they can blend into the crowd better. So, you know, before when they were walking along the Camlann Road, if they heard a wagon Or if they heard non-threatening kind of noise coming to them, they'd be fine. But if they heard steady beat of horses or large groups of people coming, they bolted off to the sides and they wanted no parts of it. But now they're starting to think, well, there's more of a crowd. We know that the Dark One is looking for two boys of a certain age, but now it seems like every boy of that age is making their way to Camelon in hopes of seeing the false dragon before the Queen. So once in a lifetime, epic thing. So everybody and their mom is trying to make it out there. The hope is hide in plain sight. As they're making their way along with these crowds of people, they they pick up on a conversation between one of the local farmers and the Queen's guard. And the local farmer's asking, "You what the hell about this crowd? What am I supposed to do about this crowd? I gotta bring my goods back and forth, and I gotta deal with all these people. What do you what? What am I supposed to? What am I gonna do about it?" The guard's like, "You know what? You got it easy here." You go by the city gates, you go see how many people I gotta deal with at the city gates. We're literally bursting with people out of the gates. You go ahead, you take you take your farmer's garden, you just go. Don't worry about it, you know? As we learn, the closer they get to the city, the more jam-packed, the more congested, the more crammed full of people this big city is. And remember, as far as these boys know, Berylan was a big city. Shadar Logoth was a big city in its day, apparently. These guys still haven't seen the big cities. They really aren't sure what to expect, except they're hearing that it's getting more populated by the minute. Once they make it actually to the village proper of Carysford, the boys get into an argument over fatigue and where they should look for an inn. Rand fights through the tiredness and continues to the the far side of Carysford. So the boys enter the city... And they start to argue, and, and, and they stop walking to argue. And Matt's like, I'm not taking another step. I'm not taking another step, Rand. We are dead men walking. We are too tired. I don't know why you're doing this. Rand, albeit is just as fatigued as Matt, has the wherewithal and has the very clever notion to think, they know we're coming from the West. They're going to look on the West side of the town for us. If we just make a beeline and go through the city and go to the eastern side where people are leaving, they may not look for us there. And we see, once again, they say that Emmonsfielders are stubborn to a fault. Legendary stubbornness. And within Emmonsfield and Two Rivers, Rand Althor is considered stubborn than most. So we got stubborn against stubborn here. And Rand wins out. He just starts to make one foot in front of the other. Gets about 20 paces. East through Camblin, and then here's Matt come up behind him. Whether that's a Taviren moment, I mean, that's that's something I can bounce off Rich and, and Bill. Something later, when two Taviren's butt heads, how, if that is a thing and how that could be resolved, if one is a higher threshold of Taviren than the other, that remains to be seen. This may just be a Rand is epic level stubbornness, and Matt just may be a very high level of stubbornness, and Rand wins out. So as they make their way, I guess night falls onto the city. The boys find an inn on the east side of town. And they start to make their way into the inn, but then they stop back. And they see a little scene kind of develop in front of them where there's a guy working on his wagon. There's another guy that wearing an apron, appears to be an innkeeper, appears to have kind of a dodgy look about him. Hands are wiping his apron. He's he's darting his eyes left and right, and he's having a conversation with the third gentleman, standing in the shadows. So you can't really see him, but you can you can tell that there's a a body there that he's he's conversing with not the guy on his wagon, but this third guy. And I think the way they worded it was that the guy in the shadows was doing the most of the talking, while the innkeeper was doing a lot of uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh, short sure, short. Sure, and but all the time, just a very uneasy, sweaty. Just dodgy disposition to him. Rand notices as these as these guys were talking. Rand kind of takes a closer tries to take a closer look at the uh, man in the shadows, and realizes, wait, it's kind of windy. Look look at at the at the inside, It's swaying in the wind, and even Jordan in the like, Cree 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 swaying in the wind. But the guy in the shadows is wearing a cloak that wasn't moving. Oh, shit, it's Kevin. To hell with Dark Friends. They got a full-fledged Kevin. In this town, in Carriesford, looking for... look. Yeah, you know, Obviously, there's only one reason why there's a Kevin in town. And this guy that he's talking to... Now we know why he's being all dodgy and sheepish and sweaty and scared and wringing the hands. And, you know, he knows... He may not know he's talking to a Kevin, but he knows that something's not right. So, after a while... Takes his piece in the in the shop or the the innkeeper is about ready to part ways and as the fade leaves, fades tend to do as they're in shadow they just disappear. So once again, oh shit, it's Kevin. As the innkeeper starts to go back to to inside the inn, the the third guy working on his cart chimes in. he's like he chimes into the innkeeper commenting, "Sure got strange friends," and the innkeeper's like, "What what what?" What are you talking about? Don't worry about that. And he gives them this whole story. This guy, this command in the shadows, is telling people that there are two boys making their way through Carriesford. They are outright dark friends and are accused of stealing a heron marked sword. A bounty of 100 gold crowns if they're captured, I believe alive. I don't know if, if that was distinguished or not, but I'm assuming alive. Through all the piters and the howl and lady assassins, who by the way does have a name later in the series, but anyway. He's now sent Kevin to infiltrate into the city, talk to the people, and make up this story. Two boys, Heron Mark sword, hundred gold pieces, if you bring them to me. I mean, who's not gonna turn that down? Well, obviously we'll find out, but we learn all this, and the boys are like, There's a fade in town. We're gone. We got we gotta we gotta go. Instead of just making it out of town quietly, Rand's like, you know what, we gotta take a shot. Rand walks up to the to the guy with the cart, and he's like, hey, we're headed to Camelin. To what are you headed to Camelin to see the false dragon? Hey, so are we. Can we hitch a ride? Rand opts to test his luck with the guy in the cart instead of staying in town with Kevin. And this may be a luck. Tavier Enmo, who knows? A. The guy, without a hesitation, says, sure, get in the back of the cart. You're gonna see the false dragon, too. Me, too. Get in! Reminds me of Dumb and Dumber when they're (laughs) they're driving down the road. Look, more people! Well, pick them up! Anyway, sorry. One tangent for me. Who knows how many I'll go through, but anytime I can see a Dumb and Dumber tangent, I'm gonna run with it. So, we have Enter Almond Bunt. A good Queens man, as we hear that maybe six or seven times, and the most thick-headed man in Randland. He was literally just told that there are two boys in town who are dark friends, may or may not be true, but this is what he was literally just told like five minutes ago, and accused of thievery. Two boys approach, one has a sword, and they're trying to get out of town. Sure, I don't care. Get in the cart. We can talk. Although that one's sick. He needs to sit in the back. But Rand was still working through working through whatever sickness he had. All in but, maybe, maybe a good guy. But if someone literally just told me that there's a story going around of two boys who were dark friends that stole a sword, not that I would try to immediately turn them in for a reward, but if I see two boys trying to get out of town... I yeah, might raise a flag or two here, but that doesn't happen. He, with, like I said, without Rand said we're going to go see the false Dragon, and that it's all Alman needed to hear. Hop on in. Well, pick him up. One thing we get from Alman Bunt is a ton, and I mean a ton of, Camelin slash Queen Morgase backstory. I think Matt was a little resentful of Rand having to sleep off his illness, because Matt was the one stuck with having to uh. Listen to Mr. Bunt and all of his stories about how he is a good Queen's man. So we get all kinds of stories. Uh, we talk we get mention of the we get mention of Elida, uh, the Queen's eyes Sedai advisor. and it says here Rand wonders if Elida would help them if they are unable to find Mauraine. Ha 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 Let's see how that goes. We also get our first mentions of Elaine and Gawain. And Tigraine. We also talk of how Queen Morghese came to take the throne. Damage red line got severed. And Morghese was the one able to rise to the throne. Like I said, Almond is our, our good Queen's man. He's the man with all the information about and Which is ironically the next town that these boys are about to visit. So it's it's a good literary tool. Us as the reader obviously don't know anything we've heard of Queen Morghese. The Light her, But we don't really know anything of a backstory. We know there's a city with a queen. But Alman Perfectly sets us up with a little bit of the backstory. Uh, there may be a little bit of. Unrest. Per se. In that not everybody may be happy that Morghese rose to the crown. Thinking that maybe Tigraine is. Still. Around. Maybe. This person is not as dead as people thought, but then we you know we get you know Alain, Gawain, uh, other other names are dropped. Uh, we also find out that, like I said, this this country was recently just in lack of a better term a, a game of thrones, having to decide who would take the monarchy, and of course Morgase rose to that challenge. Chapter ends with Rand having one more Bauselmon dream, just before the boys arrive in Cainland. We also get some, almost forgot this. We also get some stories about Terengale Damadred. Brought Kerhine into the plotting before he was done. And you know how that ended. The tree chopped down and black-veiled ale coming over the dragon wall. A little bit of foreshadowing, but I'll let Rich and other first-timers know this is a very important foreshadow, not foreshadow, but this is a spoiler because it's written right here in the chapter. It's a very important story uh, device that uh, the country of Carhin, the, the the country of Kerhain chopped a very special tree down, and it caused the isle to come over the dragon wall, causing a war of epic proportions. On the last page, uh, Rand, while being sick, does fall asleep and goes into a fitful sleep, and is shocked when he is face to face with. Another balsmundine he screams himself awake like said Matt Matt yawned at least you got some sleep. He talked all bloody night man. This is one of those setup chapters. I think it's really good I think it's a very good chapter as I said many times before this is the sweet spot of the book for me so it doesn't it's not gonna drop down for me a lot. not a lot of action a lot a lot of dialogue to bring you back up to speed with where the boys are. They are finally done making their way because the chapter ends with them gazing upon the grandest city in the world, according to Alman Bunt, Camelin. This chapter, because it's, a set, it's not as action packed, but it is a good setup chapter because, as we can imagine, things are going to heat up in the next chapter as they enter Camelon. And that's going to take us to readings with Rob. And now, the Taviren present to you readings with rob chapter thirty four the last village one of the men in the shadows was only a black shape but the other stood more into the light with his back to rand even so it was plain he was not overjoyed at the conversation he was having he wrung his hands and kept his eyes on the ground jerking his head in a nod now and then at something the other had said rand could not hear anything but he got the impression that the man in the shadow was doing all the talking. The nervous man just listened and nodded and wrung his hands anxiously. Eventually, the one who was wrapped in darkness turned away, and the nervous fellow started back into the light. Despite the chill, he was mopping his face with the long apron he wore, as if he were drenched in sweat. Skin prickling, Rand watched the shape moving off into the night, he did not know why, but his uneasiness seemed to follow that one. A vague tingling in the back of his neck and the hair stirring on his arms as if he had suddenly realized something was sneaking up on him. With a quick shake of his head, he rubbed his arms briskly. Getting as foolish as mad, aren't you? At that moment, the form slipped by the edge of the light from a window just on the brink of it and ran skin-crawled. The inn sign went scree-scree-scree in the wind, but the dark cloak never stirred. Fade, he whispered, and Matt jerked to his feet as if he had shouted. What? He clamped a hand over Matt's mouth. Softly. The dark shape was lost in the darkness. Where? It's gone now, I think. I hope. He took his hand away. The only sound Matt made was a long, indrawn breath. The nervous man was almost to the inn door. He stopped and smoothed down his apron, visibly composing himself before he went inside. Strange friends you've got, Raymond Haldwin, the man by the cart said suddenly. It was an old man's voice, but strong. The speaker straightened, shaking his head. Strange friends in the dock for an innkeeper. That was readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at TavirenPod with your request. And that was readings with Rob. So once again, if you need, if you want me to try any passage in any upcoming chapters, hit us up at the Discord, hit us up at Twitter, you know, hit us up anywhere. We're all over the place. Uh, Discord is the probably the quickest response you'll get from us. Outside of Twitter, of course, uh, Bill has advised us that even though he is on podcasting hiatus, he will be active on all social media platforms. So feel free to to yell at him or congratulate him or ask him any questions about life in jolly old England. While you're at it, you can hit him up on his own personal Twitter account, Matunica, M-E-T-U-N-N-I-C-A. It is a mixture, as he. You- if you don't know that, it is a mixture of his favorite metal band and his favorite uh, English snack, that being the the music being of Metallica and the snack being a, something called a tunic 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 cracker. I don't know. Sorry, not they don't have those over here. And Rich, if you want to reach him directly on Twitter, I think he is at Hailblue one five six nine. As always, you can reach us together uh, on Twitter at TavirenPod. Discord is the best way. We have the YouTube. We have you know Reddit. We have Instagram. I, I think I think Tyler, our producer, does uh, some Facebook posts, Instagram posts. There is nowhere that we aren't yet, and and I am going to be working. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. It's probably way overdue but i am working on a patreon page for us so that you can uh get some content get some you know show you love on patreon as well um i will somewhere in the near future be removing the non chapter synopsis pods and putting those on patreon as well so you know keep an eye out for that and obviously we'll we'll promote that once that becomes publicly available so i hope that I did my compadres proud. I hope you didn't mind listening to me drone on and on and on for however long I am. This is the first time I've ran through a chapter synopsis solo. I know that on their other podcasts, Rich and Bill have done solos. I don't uh, envy them, or I guess I should say I now know who they feel, so no no more crap for me if I have to make fun of them for that. And I hopefully will be able to have time with, set up with uh, Senor Richard to talk about Chapter 35, simply named Camelot. So, with that, I am going to bid everyone adieu. I'm going to sit up front with Master Bunt himself and do all the talking and not let him get a word in edgewise. Every time he said I'm a good Queens man, I'll just spill into some other filibuster dialogue of... of Anything I can think of. Queen's tank license, Jamaican-Irish accents, anything that I can think of. All right, guys. Me and Rich will be back next week. So long. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvain and Lan. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert, I know that girl from Berlan said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... friends. This is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com.